Hello and welcome to Foundling Founds. I'm Julian Brown and on today's show we will be talking to Rebecca Jones, who is Coram's Voices Through Times Youth Engagement Worker, and Aaron and Jake, who are both Coram's Care Ambassadors for Voices Through Times, which Foundling Founds is a part of. We will be having a look at the archives and finding out how the youth ambassadors are engaging and interpreting the archives and how they wish to incorporate them into their own projects and hearing a little bit more about the youth ambassadors projects themselves. We will also be talking about the conversations that came from looking at the archives as well as talking about the care system itself and the stigmas attached to those in care. We will also be listening to one of our amazing care ambassadors projects itself later on in the show. Firstly, my first question to you all is just want you to introduce yourselves to us and what your roles, like what, why you want to do the ambassador role and what you're hoping to gain from that experience. So if we go to Jake first. Hi, I'm Jake. Uh, I became an ambassador to help make a difference to people's lives. That's um, brilliant. And what do you hope to gain from doing the care lever ambassador role just knowing the fact that i've made a difference to people's lives and and i've helped them in one way or another perfect let's uh, go to aaron next yeah i'm aaron i joined the care ambassador team because um the stigma that i believe is put on on care experienced young people and and i kind of want to represent those people yeah, perfect. And if we would just go to Rebecca briefly, if you can just introduce yourself. Oh, um, I'm Rebecca and I am the youth engagement person on this project that you're talking about. Um, and I basically wanted to do the same as what um, Jake and Aaron have just said and see if I can help put things together that will make a difference, whether that's in policy change or young people still in care, obviously care leavers. Um, that's perfect guys well thank you all for coming on to today's show and um i would really like to start by asking aaron and jake um how are you engaging with the archives and i guess rebecca could also let us know how she's engaging on people in accessing the archives well i'm coming to the archives exactly the same way as the young people are i've got no background in history um i'm not an archivist obviously we've got joe who's incredible um and basically, I just got really interested in it. So as soon as I was shown certain artifacts, I was like, my heart was breaking or I was intrigued and I wanted to learn more. And so that's basically exactly the same as the way I hope um, young people or you guys um, respond to it too. And that's basically been the case. I remember when Joe's come along and showed various artifacts especially the playing card token and other things like that it's it's really sort of started a a heated discussion on why that is and the questions of identity and I think it's just incredible that we have access to things hundreds of years ago like right back to 1739 and it's amazing that that the care system as it was then um is right in front of us on paper and we can see what's changed what hasn't changed and more importantly what we'd like to change going forward yeah that's absolutely it's it's something i've definitely found looking at the archives myself is it's definitely brought up some powerful conversations which hopefully we'll hear a bit of today um 
Aaron, I wonder how you have been accessing the archives and engaging with them through workshops and other things. Yeah, so um, everything I've learned from the archives is, is since I've been an ambassador. And um, yeah, there's, the things I've learned is like um, the way that things was in the past and the way that things currently are, like the differences and similarities are, are quite astonishing. And it does really break your heart, like Rebecca said. Um, but it's also kind of like, I don't know, intriguing, like the things that we could do in the future to kind of get over these difficulties I that guess, are still kind of going on. Yeah, I guess the care review definitely plays into that. That's obviously coming up later this year. So this whole Voices Through Times project and us being able to get together and have our voices heard is very important this year, significantly uh, through the care review to make it better for the future. Um, I wonder, Jake, how are you accessing the archives? Are you engaging through the same ways as Aaron has discussed? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, as Aaron and Rebecca talked about, I mean, I, I came in uh, to be an ambassador uh, to help me make a difference. And I've, I've always loved learning about history of different things. And I've always been intrigued in the background of how social care and being in care became and with the founding hospitals and with the archives, I think it's been really good and really interesting. I think a really interesting aspect to look at this from is, I guess, when we think of the history of care, not many people really know about the history of care. Like you think of the foundling hospital and things before us younger generation probably invo got involved with the ambassador role. We we wouldn't have known about the foundling hospital and things. And when you are when you ask us what we think about when it comes to care, we would have automatically referred to Tracy Beaker. So I think this also is providing education and opening it up a bit more, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And also, you've got like TV shows like Tracy Beaker and Hetty Feather, that kind of stereotypes being in care and foundling hospitals. So I think it's a very interesting as well to learn how it actually is uh, with the foundling hospitals. And obviously, if you've had your own experiences in care, you know what it's like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would just like to ask either you, Jake or Rebecca, are there any pieces in the archive that really resonated with you or sparked an emotional connection for you? Kind kind of all of it, really. Um, and obviously, like, with the children, obviously being left in the foundling hospitals, you kind of get that feeling of abandonment and you feel, like, sort of upset and angry for them, as, especially, like, if you have personal experiences with abandonment and things like that. It, it kind of makes you feel connected to them in a way, like just one small thing connects hundreds and thousands of people from all across the decade. Yeah, I guess from what you're seeing in the archives is that we aren't we we aren't alone in this, and that it's been going on for generations, and it's connecting up those dots and educating people about the process of the system and how it's evolved and how things haven't changed. And I think that's the benefit of having these archives, definitely. Um, like we've got just a few in front of us. We have a um, poster for No Thoroughfare, which is a Charles Dickens play, which is based on young people in care. You've, we've got school reports from 1819. And I know, Rebecca, we've got one of your favourite pieces of archive. So I'll let you just explain it for us. <laughs> okay, so um, 
again, I'm a total novice to this, um, but it's just like an emotional connection. Basically, when the baby, when foundlings were left at the foundling hospital by their mothers, the mother would leave a token with the child, which was supposed to be so that if she wanted to come back and her circumstances had changed. So, uh, for example, at the time it was illegal to be unmarried and have a child, but a lot of times it was more things like poverty, etc. So if their circumstances changed, they would be able to identify which child was theirs by the token that they left with them. But obviously they didn't have much. So often it's just um, a swatch of fabric of whatever clothes they're wearing. Um, my favorite token is of a playing card um, and it's a fabric playing card. And it's, uh, is it the eight of hearts? Six. Yeah. Um, it's the six of hearts and there's something about it being hearts that makes it heartbreaking because the mother has gone to the effort of not just tearing it but cutting it in zigzags like a, a clean shape as if she is broken and as if this act of having to leave her child is breaking her um, and I think that that I don't know how that can be emotional and it really it definitely like takes me back to that. I don't know this woman. I don't know who the child was, but it's like you get transported back to all those hundreds of years ago and picture that moment. And I think everybody has can identify with a story of feeling like you're being torn apart. Definitely. And I think just from that image alone, it portrays so many different things and different meanings. So when you're looking at the image, the token, the fact that young people had their names exchanged for numbers so they were giving a number you know an identity thing that was put onto a token and the the card as you say being in half and the fact that it's heart it kind of symbolizes you've got one half of my heart and I've got the other half of your heart and it's quite an emotional powerful thing just how you see that that piece of archive I wonder if Aaron or Jake you look at that piece of archive yourself and can take anything from it me personally um I saw the there's another piece of archive with the um with the embroidered name on it. I kind of felt a similar kind of that one kind of touched me more. The fact that they'd they'd chosen, as Rebecca said earlier, like they'd chosen a name for this this person and it was gonna get replaced with a number anyway. And it's just kind of heartbreaking for just the detachment and yeah, that that one really speaks to me. I guess that also interlinks very much into the fact of identity, doesn't it? You know, you your identity then was taken away from you and you were given a number instead of a name and how that relates to today. You know, your identity in, an, in a way is taken away from you before you even get a chance to show who you are in some cases, you know, whether it's through someone reading your file and making that judgment on your identity before meeting you or you just being another number in a system, which is something that I think from discussions I've had previously, previously with young people, it's relatable. And that's something that came up in the archive conversation previously. And I wonder whether you guys feel like you can relate to that, uh, having an, a name changed for a number and how today the system can often feel like you're a number. Yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't say it's inhumane in a way, but it just makes you feel like you're not yourself, like they're just referring you to a number. I mean, in history, uh, a lot of big events in history people have been associated with numbers and you know it just kind of degrades you a little bit because you think that's how most people see you just as a number rather than 
who you are and like your name like as, as you just said a lot of people like will read your case file and judge you on that which I think is like it's not very nice and it's not good especially for you know the children and the young people they want people to know them as who they are not by a name or a number yeah definitely I I can completely empathize there I wonder if you've got anything to add to that Aaron I think I can I can kind of understand why the numbers like there's numbers for a reason like when you're trying to organize things you you have numbers so that and because there are so many people that, that are in the care system there, there would be so many numbers and trying to keep a record of people would be difficult without them but at the same time it, it is exactly as Jake says kind of degrading it's it's like Catalan it's it's given a number to, but I believe that it's the, the number doesn't matter it's it's how people treat people with the number how it matters if you treat someone like they are a number then then that will make them feel like they are just another part of the system. But if you individualize, if you treat them as if they're an individual person and they have individual needs and, and requirements, then I feel like that would completely change the way the person feels. Uh, I think that it's more about how the, the system treats the people that are given these numbers. Yes, I, 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 can, I, I can agree with that. And I think that's something that <clears throat> in the system where you are a number, you've also got to realize there's people behind that number, like you're saying, Aaron, and you're not just a statistic so it's definitely definitely right um i just wondered if i could ask you both like do you feel there is a stigma attached to being in care and do you think that does affect the way society perceives those in care yeah definitely i know well, i've always been open about being in care um and you know a lot of my friends do say oh is it like tracy beaker Oh, is it like Hetty Feather, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, well, no, it's completely different. It's it's definitely not the same. And um, I think a lot of people think uh, children and people in care or care leavers are like troublesome, they're like messed in the head, uh, they're like always going out, causing like fights, carrying weapons, being in guns, that sort of stuff. When in reality, that's, I mean, yeah, some some kids are like that, but kids who aren't in care are like that as well. So we're just the same as other people, except we just don't live with, you know, our family. Aaron, do you have anything to add to that at all? Yeah, it's kind of uh, the counter sides. Um, I, I wasn't uh, in in quite a care home or anything, but when when I left my mom's house, I was I was put into a hostel. And it was very much like the Tracy Baker experience. Like it was very much shenanigans all the time. Like something was happening. Like the the people around, like the staff were kind of like our parents. Um, it, it was very family-like because it, it was, it's, it, I think it's just human nature. You make family where it, where you are, innit? You make home wherever you, you, you stay put. And when there's more people about it, it's obviously going to be more hectic, but it still feels like family. Um, it is just one, you get loads, of, my, my pal lived in a different kind of hostel, we had a much smaller hostel and his kind of, uh, I went round and it was much like a smaller, more calmer, but it was the same, just like a family. Yeah, definitely. I think you're definitely right there. I mean, just through being in positions of my own, I can certainly tell there's been times where actually when I think about Tracy Beaker, it's quite relevant and, and it, you know, it, it does portray that side, but then at other times where it's completely different and, they're, they're not the same and the stigma is completely different i wonder rebecca whether you've come across stories or or things from young people about stigma and how they feel the approach to it is well 
constantly. I think it goes back to what Jake was just saying is that everybody in care or out of care the world over is an individual person. So why is it that if you've been through the care system or any different type of system, it's, it, it becomes a label rather than just an experience that you had no control over? Mm. Um, I don't know. Everybody feels as if, in general, that, that the media portrays um, the care system or children that are in the care system as either superheroes or a problem. And that's just not true. Um, as, as Jake said, I'm sure that there are some um, young people in care that want to want to try and be a bit gangster, but there's also kids out of care that want to be a bit gangster. Like it, it makes no difference. Everybody is an individual person. Everybody has their own tastes, um, like in music, in clothes, in food, or whatever it might be. So I don't know why those labels exist, but hopefully you as ambassadors can do something about that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's where I'd like to move on to next, Jake and Aaron. Where would you like to see the, and how would you like to see the conversation around the stigma of care approached and the care system? How would you like to see the stigma changed, especially through this project, Voices Through Times? How, how would you like to see us approach it in a way that, it will we will be able to have that conversation with people in a way that isn't patronizing but it engages people and really offers that thought-provoking conversation so i believe that uh a lot of importance should be put like um urgency should be put on the matter of uh the importance of individualizing uh young care experienced <clears throat> uh, care experienced young people's needs and requirements yeah so basically from my, my own experience like the the care system's been very box ticking um and very black and white with the, the way that they run things they don't look at the the young people as, as individuals um not entirely there's there's obviously each each person to their own but from my own general experience I've, I've seen this and um i think a lot of it is very important because it is a whole life that, that they have in their hands and it's a, a very important stage of the life so no uh, and i definitely agree with you there aaron i think the, the, the difference is today people have an image of tracy beaker being the care system and things and i think through this we may be able to portray some of the realities that young people in the care system face and the stigmas attached to that um i just wanted to move back to the archives very briefly and ask what projects are coming up in the future have you got any spoken word projects and things like that coming up or is there anything you've done aaron or jake yourself that you'd like to share with us and maybe we can add into the podcast itself and let people have a listen to is there anything that you're working on and you'd like to tell us about i mean i'm not working on it now but like several years ago i've been a part of an for about nine years now and we did uh, a short film called Sam's Story about the stereotypes of uh, being in care. Uh, we we worked with Fixers at Granada Reports ITV on that. Um, and currently, um, me and uh, Rebecca decided what the project was going to be. And I'm currently doing a book around the history of the LGBTQ community and around mental health and how that affects uh, children and young people in care and uh, care leavers and like the history around it and how it's come up to now. It's 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 interesting because 
from that project that you were just talking about, I'm learning so much just from reading it. It's that same connection to history when like the first chapter is about how how difficult it's it's been throughout history for people to come out as themselves, like when it was illegal, when it, whatever, all these reasons and all these amazing famous people and you just can't believe that it ever happened. Um, and it's sort of like, it's a build up to figuring out well, that's why that stigma still exists. That's why it's still difficult now because there's all these hundreds of years of this being attached to it and that it's somehow wrong. And then how you undergo all of that like internal questioning and thinking in a care environment is so much different from how you would do it outside of care. So I can't wait to read more of it. I'm loving it. I think to go on to that, Jake, that's a really interesting point. I, I, I just want to bring up something briefly that only I found out within the last six months is actually that in my local authority, for example, they hadn't actually recorded any LGBTQ plus statistics on those in care. So they didn't have a record of how many young people in their care were of that community. So it is really interesting, you know, even now are we still getting the full picture? So that'll be something really interesting to maybe get you later on in the series to come back on and let us know how you're doing. So that would be really great. And Aaron, what about yourself? Um, I've heard your amazing project myself, so maybe you'd like to tell us a little, more, a little bit more about it. Um, well, basically, I, I wrote a little poem, uh, just basically based on as well my own care experience and um just basically is the, the stigma uh, that is attached to, to vulnerable young people uh, from care i can honestly tell you all that the poem actually brought tears to my eyes and i have rebecca to vouch for that it was an absolutely incredible piece um was and i cried it is yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. But just amazing things that you're both doing individually there. And um, Aaron, your piece around challenging stigma and stigma in itself, it's very powerful and very emotive. And when people hear that, I'm sure that will definitely create some thought-provoking conversations. And Jake, it's wonderful to hear about the book you're writing, about the history of LGBTQ plus society and care and would really like to hear more from you. Um, just one more thing before we finish today. I just wondered if you both could have an opportunity to say something to young people in care today, what would it be? Anything at all um, that you would like to pass on to someone else who is in care today, what would it be? It will get better. It's true. It is. It, when you get older, it definitely, when you get more control of your own life, which, which comes with age, it definitely does get better like just hang in there Jake anything you want to add don't be afraid to be who you truly are and don't be afraid to be loud and have your voice heard that's brilliant and my final one for the note of the week is don't see your life through somebody else's eyes see it through your own and learn to take your life with two hands and grasp it and move forward because nothing's tough enough to fight you know, you can get up and do whatever you've got to do. And I would just like to end today by thanking Rebecca, Jake and Aaron all for coming on and having the conversation. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for having us. Cheers for having me, man. Well, firstly, thank you very much to Rebecca Jones, Coran's Voices Through Times Youth Engagement Worker, and Jake and Aaron, who are also Coram's Care Ambassadors, for coming on today's show and talking to us about the archives, how they get 
are engaging with them, interpreting them, and also the stigmas attached to the care system, as well as some of the amazing projects they're all working on. I would also like to take the opportunity to thank Coran's Voices Through Times project, the National Lottery Heritage Fund, BBC's Belongings and Rebecca Jones for supporting and helping make this podcast. On our next show, we'll be joined by a care-experienced young person who wishes to remain anonymous, who will be sharing her views on the care system with us. Also, all the archives spoken about on today's show will be posted in all the relevant social media web- and websites, including Coram social media and my own. But to end the show today, I would like to play you the creative piece that I spoke about earlier on with Aaron, one of our Care Lever ambassadors. Thank you for joining us. With the world on his shoulders and a limp in his stride, and with all the eyes on him and nowhere to hide, daily battles with demons he endures on inside, Monsters not of his making, though in him they reside. Though the world wants to judge him, or better, to guide, when the demons come knocking, who stood by his side? And please, what care did these people ever provide but to trample and tarnish and throttle his pride? So they say it's his fault, and they say that they tried. So they say he's the problem, or at least they implied. It would all have been easy if he just complied. Well, that's easy to say when your life isn't fried. Have you ever tried living whilst wishing you died? No, of course. Well, why would you? Your whole life is supplied. His whole life is neglected, infected, untied. He was promised protection, and yet although they lied, he's the one they expected to laugh when he cried. He's the one they rejected whilst they ogled side-eyed. He's the one they excluded, felt trapped but outside. But how different they'd see things if their worlds did collide. If the world was to flip and they felt the landslide. With the world on their shoulders, how far would they stride?